Sorry, you guys can be seated here this morning. It's going to take us a minute. A lot of times in this circumstance, I, I would kind of scrap my, my Sunday school message or what I was going to plan on teaching and, and preach what God has, has given me, but I feel a, a draw this morning to go to what God has for us, what He did have for us in this early Sunday morning service. And so uh, you can follow along with the handout if you want to, or you can just uh, just set that aside and, and use that as a reference later on, amen. But I just want to deliver what I felt God poured into me this week for this church. And and you can see the, the title of the message, maybe a uh, curious title, The Price of Beans, The Price of Beans. But we're going to get into that and hopefully you'll understand just a little bit. I think that one of the most interesting aspects of human existence sometimes is, is the fact that we can accumulate things over time. As we came into this, this new year, my, I guess before we turned the calendar into the new year, my wife mentioned something that a friend of hers was doing and uh, she was going through her house and purging uh, 500 items from our house to start off the new year, and um, we began to, uh, we just kind of talked about it, set, set the conversation aside, and then we had a few days where we were down, we had we were sick, COVID really wasn't feeling too bad, but we were quarantined in our house, and I began to look around at different areas in our house and saw, man, we sure have a lot of stuff, a lot of just things here and there. Anybody here have a, a junk drawer? Just a, I think every house has a junk drawer, and our junk drawer was just full of junk. Um, I mean, it was stuff that's like, I don't know why we even have it in there, and uh, it's, it's of no use. And so uh, I began to clean things out, and in my mind, I started to think, 500 things. Man, we have about 500 things in this one drawer, and uh, we didn't quite have that, but we did start to count, and um, kind of made a... Uh, made a challenge to ourselves, let's not just clear 500 things out of our house, but we're going to try about 500 things in every room of our house, or in every area of our house, and uh, didn't quite get there, but we got pretty close in a lot of rooms, whether it was just packing away clothes from our boys that didn't fit them any longer, or if it was cleaning out that junk drawer and the pantry and all kinds of areas of our house, but amen, we can, we can accumulate a lot of things. Accumulate a lot over the course of a lifetime. You walk through anyone's garage or a storage building, you'll see all kinds of stuff that people consider to be valuable, or at least at one time they considered them to be valuable. You can find a lot of interesting things when you go to a yard sale or a, a, an estate auction. You know, the people who gather at these events are typically looking for a certain bargain. You know, somebody uh, is, is, you know, what the saying goes, what, what, what is one man's trash is another man's treasure. And one person may be willing to let something go, but uh, somebody else may look at that as something that they might value and snatch that up. And, uh, you know, there are things in this life that seem to have such little value, but they, in fact, carry much more value than one would assume that they actually carry or what the outward appearance of them 
might, might look like. I'm sure you've heard the story of Jack and the Beanstalk, right? Just a fable, a story, but, you know, Jack, he goes and he buys some beans or trades some things for some beans. He brings them home to his mother, and his mother, looking at them, thinks, what a worthless thing that you brought home. And so she throws them out the window. All of a sudden, a beanstalk appears, and it stretches up into the clouds. And, you know, how can you put a price on something like that? How can you put a price on some beans, some magic beans that go and they create a beanstalk that is, enables you to climb up into the heavens? And, of course, that's just a fairy tale, but there are so many stories of people who come across items that seem to have no value, but upon further inspection, they're worth more than anyone could have imagined. There was an 1831 a little time ago, in 1831, there was a medieval chessboard with chess pieces that were made of walrus ivory that were found on the Isle of Lewis in Scotland. I have a picture of those chess pieces that are up, that we could put up here. Pretty fine art, pretty amazing pieces here. Unfortunately, five of these chess pieces were missing from the game. It was not until nearly 200 years later, which is now just a few, few, or a few years ago, that another piece was added to the collection by a family in Edinburgh. The grandfather of the anonymous family had bought this piece 55 years earlier for the small sum of $6. After that grandfather passed away, he passed these chess pieces down to his family, just in a drawer, just in a junk drawer that he had in his house. He had them laying there, and, and uh, they were passed down to his family, and the family was a bit curious about these interesting pieces, and so they took them to Sotheby's auction house, where the incredulous staff instantly recognized that one piece that... Uh, they had brought in as being one of the missing 12th century Lewis chess pieces. That piece is said to be worth $1.2 million. But at some point in the past, someone had sold what appeared to be a rather cheap and crude chess piece for a mere $6. See, in life, Nothing is more valuable to us than the blessings that God would send our way. Psalms chapter 68 verse 19 tells us, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation. On, I believe that on a regular basis that God blesses us on a, a beyond, beyond really what we deserve. He entrusts us to realize and to appreciate the value of the blessings that He gives us. I believe that it's our responsibility to cherish the blessings that come from God, that it's 
our responsibility to hold on to the things that God would give it, give us. I believe that the greatest blessing that we have today is the fact that we have the Word of God that has been given to us. Amen. What a privilege it is to live in this day, in this time, where we have access to the wor inspired Word of God. Amen. For hundreds of years, for over a thousand years, Individuals did not have access like we have access today. They didn't have uh, the ability to just go and, and pick up the Word of God and to read it for themselves. They would have to go and, and they would go to the, their church services and from there the one Bible that was there, uh, maybe there, it was chained to the pulpit or chained there. And, and that one person, uh, the priest, he would open it up and many times in many services would begin to read from it in a language that the people didn't even speak. And then he would begin to explain it, what the Word of God said. But what a treasure we have. What a blessing it is to know that God has given us His Word, that we have access to the Word of God, and that we have not just access to the Word of God, but we have truth that has been revealed, and that we have the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, and that we have the revelation of what it takes to be saved. Amen. I'm so thankful that today that we have these blessings that God has handed down to us. I'm so thankful that we belong to a church where God would come and he would continue to bless his people. Amen. I don't want to let go of the things that God has blessed us with. I don't want to just hold them casually. I don't want to just uh, have a, a loose grip on the things that God has given us to where anything could rip it out of our hands. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. We're just going to read just a... Short passage here, beginning in verse 24. It says that when her days to be, delivered, to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first one came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. His name was called Jacob. Isaac was threescore years old, or he was sixty years old, when she bare them. And the boys, they grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. Jacob, he was a plain man, dwelling in tents. Isaac, he loved Esau because he ate of his venison. Do we have anybody in here who likes venison? Come on. I think there was a reason that he liked Esau here. He says, man, you bring in the good food. He liked the venison that he brought in, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob, he sawed pottage. He was making some bean soup one day. And Esau came from the field, and he was faint. Esau, he said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage. For I am faint, and therefore was his name called Edom. Jacob, he said, sell me this day thy birthright. 
Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob, he said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. So Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink. And he rose up and he went his way. And thus Esau despised his birthright. This birthright is kind of an interesting concept. We don't fully have the same thing today, although we do have, uh, I think that we can understand a, a little bit about what this birthright entailed. The birthright was primarily a, uh, a responsibility and a privilege that was reserved for the firstborn child, or rather the firstborn son. In those days, uh, the, the firstborn son would be entitled to the rights to the inheritance of the, of the family. Once the father passed away, everything would then be transferred to the oldest son. They had, uh, they had uh, things worked out. They had uh, it, it made so that uh, if there was no son that was born, then, then perhaps a, a daughter who was born, that she would receive the birthright, and, and, and there were instances where there are, are times where somebody else might receive that, but in, in almost every case, it was reserved for the firstborn child, and this was, no, uh, this was no difference here, that Esau, when he was born, even though being a twin, he was the one who came out first. He was the one that was born, and and came into this world first, and so he had the birthrights. And so that meant that whenever his father would pass away, he was going to receive all the, the, the family's inheritance. He was going to receive all the animals. He would receive all of the money that God had blessed them with. He would receive all of the land that, uh, that, they, had, um, they, had, that they were living on and that God had given to them. And, you know, this, this goes to this idea to me that, you know, why is it that God was, he, why did he care so much about what Esau did on that day? You know, it was just giving away a birthright. It was just giving away this inheritance. Why is it that it seems that, that God despised what Esau did so much? Because even though we may not see that directly, you see, you see it as you read the text of Scripture that, that there, this was something that God was incredulous with the fact that Esau would sell his birthright. But why is it that God would care so much? Well, you've got to understand that God had made a covenant with Abraham. Abraham was the grandfather of Esau. And God, in Genesis chapter 22, we see the covenant that God had made with Abraham, and, and he had made the same covenant with Abraham's son, Isaac, the father of Esau. And this, in this covenant, it included the fact that there would be an abundant inheritance that would be passed down to each generation. That this inheritance was something that 
was from God. That God said, as long as you serve me, I will bless you. As long as you, uh, as long as you uh, let me be the one God that you would have in your life, I will, will bless you abundantly. And, and from your generation to the next, they will continue to be blessed. And so... From this, we have Esau, or we have Abraham, and then we have Isaac, and then next in line would have been Esau. And Esau, he would have received this blessing from God. He was the one that God would have, uh, he would have made the covenant with Esau. But we see that in the, the last scripture that we read, it says that Esau despised his birthright. He despised it. You look at that word despised, it, it means that he disesteemed it or he devalued the birthright. He made it of less value than other things in his life. He saw this thing that was afar off and, and something that someday might come. And, and, you know, that doesn't really seem all that important right now in the present time. It may have been just this one instance here that we get this glimpse into that uh, when, when Esau traded away his birthright and it was just for a, a meal on that day. And you might say, well, you know, Esau kind of has a point. He's coming in. He's hungry. This is the only food that seems to be available. And so if he's about to die, what good is the birthright? But it seems to be that that Esau really did have some other options. That Esau, he very well could have lived past the pottage. And this was something that uh, when we see it, it, it tell us that Esau despised his birthright. This is something that Esau, he just did not value this as quite as much as he should have valued it. He didn't put as much value on the things that God was giving to him than he should have placed on it. And so we see that for a few bites of bean soup that Esau lost out on his inheritance and his blessing. For a few bites of bean soup. This is something that, you know, I, I, I certainly, I, I like bean soup. I enjoy uh, I enjoy to eat chili or I enjoy to eat uh, uh, any kind of, of, of ham and beans or, or all of that. I enjoy it a lot, but I, I'm not going to, to put that at the same value as all of the blessings of God. It certainly doesn't have that much value. The price tag of those beans are pretty high when you put it in comparison to the things that God would have for us. All the blessings that God would want to pass down. The price of beans is just far too high in that circumstance. I don't value beans. I don't place them in, in the same uh, category as the blessings of God. But we see that for Esau, he saw all these blessings and all these things that God would want to send his way. And he saw the beans on that day. And he said, you know what? I need the beans more than I need the blessings of God. I want to look at another story that we come across in 2 Samuel chapter 23. An interesting 
little snippet into somebody's life that we really don't hear too much more about this man, but this is very interesting here in 2 Samuel 23, verse 11. So it's, it's talking about the different mighty men that were in David's army. And it says that after him was this man named Shammah. Shammah was the son of Agi, the Herorite, and the Philistines, who were the enemies of the Israelites. They were gathered together into a troop. There was a piece of ground that was full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he, Shammah, he stood in the midst of the ground, and he defended it, and he slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Shammah refused to give up territory to the enemy. Shammah stood there in the middle of a bean field, and he said, I see the enemy advancing today. I see all of you running scared, and you may not value this bean field here because, I mean, really what is a, is a field of beans worth? Is a field of beans really worth fighting for? Is it really worth me possibly losing my life? And yet, Shammah, he stood there in the middle of the bean field. And he said, I'm not going to give up one inch of territory to the enemy. It may just be a bean field, but I'm not going to give up any inch of territory to the enemies that are trying to come and take it. On this field of beans, you may look at it and you may say, wow, why would you want to protect that? That really doesn't have that much value. But here's the thing. God had given them that bean field. God had given them the territory that Shammah was defending. And when Shammah saw the, the, the land that God had given them, and he began to take up arms that day, he says, I'm standing for what God has given me. I'm standing for the blessings of God. And I understand that this may seem like a little thing, but I'm not going to give in to even the little things. I'm not going to devalue the little things, the little blessings of God. I'm going to hold them up and say, Lord, I will fight to the nail, Lord, to defend the territory, defend the blessings that you have given me. Well, there are things in our life that sometimes they seem a little bit insignificant. Things that, uh, that you have uh, heard God speak to you in prayer. And, and you may think, you know what, this is just a little promise. It's just a little thing. And, and I understand, God, if you don't come through on that, that's okay. The enemy seems to be rearing his head against you on this little promise that I received in my prayer time. But and, and the thing is, sometimes those little things, we just give up. And we say, all right, I'm going to give in. I'm not going to pray about it anymore. I'm not going to believe God for it anymore. Here's the thing. You begin to devalue the promises of God when you give up on the little things. The things that, that are small, the things that, that you have heard that, that have been passed down from generation to generation. And, and there are things that we must hold on to. I believe that there are timeless truths that go from generation to generation that we shall not budge on. 
Amen. We are not going to budge on the things that God has given us that are timeless truths from generation to generation. I believe that, that salvation comes, but only one way. There's only one way to heaven. Amen. This isn't a little thing, but amen. But, but there are, there's salvation, is, is, it comes one way, and that is through Jesus Christ who died on a cross for my sins. Amen. I can't get there by the means of Allah. I can't get there by the means of what Buddha did. I can't get there by any other means. I'm not even going to get there just by being good. I am only going to get there because of what Jesus Christ did and then my obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ by repenting of my sins, being baptized in Jesus. Jesus' name, and then being filled with His Spirit. Amen. I'm not going to budge on that. I'm not going to give up the ground on that. It, it may seem like to some people just a field of beans. Something that, oh, is that really something worth, worth fight? Is that really worth fighting for? Is that really worth standing my ground? Yes, it's worth standing my ground. Amen. There are things that God, amen, has promised. There are things that he has called us to live separate from the world. He has called us to, to come out from among them and be separate so that we can be a witness to him. Amen. And I hope that today that we would not give up on the little things of separation that God has called us to. Amen. To live a holy life and to, to hold on to the things uh, of the, the holiness that have been passed down to us from Scripture. Scripture and from generation to generation that we would say, Lord, I, this may seem like just a field of beans to some people, but I value the bean field because this is a truth that came from you. It tells us in Proverbs chapter 23 to buy the truth and sell it not. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. Buy the truth and sell it not. The price of truth, the price of the things that God would give us, amen, they have no value that we could, that we could, would ever be worth selling them for. Buy the truth and sell it not. We see out of all of the, the men that were following Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, there is one that was among them that he didn't seem to value what. Jesus had called him to quite as much as the rest of them. It's in Matthew chapter 26, verse 14, that tells us one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot, he went to the chief priests and said to them, what will you give me? And I'll deliver him to you. So they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. For 30 pieces of silver, this disciple of Jesus betrayed the one whom he would, who had called him to follow him. Judas, we see him in, in his life as, as it, it describes him in John chapter 12, describes him as the one who was keeping the disciples' money. He was, he was the treasurer of sorts for the disciples and for Jesus that they, as they would travel around. And in fact, if we could, we have those verses in there. John chapter 12, verse 3. Begins to describe Judas and, and we see some very unhealthy 
habits or an, an, an unhealthy relationship that Judas had with money. Just flip there today if you want to go with me. John chapter 12, verse 3. It says that, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. And then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the bag and bear that was put therein. We see this Judas in, in, in this instance where Mary comes and, and she begins to, she, she has this alabaster box, this box that has this precious ointment, this oil in it, and she, she breaks it open and begins to anoint the feet of Jesus in the midst of all these uh, Pharisees that were in this house, and, and as she does this, she begins to cry and, and to worship him, and, and, and yet the reaction from Judas was, what a waste. What a waste. Here she is. She could have taken that, that, that perfume that she just poured all over your feet, that was worth a, a one year's wages of money. I mean, that's, that's a lot that she could have, have, have gone and sold that and given all that money to the poor. But then it gives us a little bit of insight into the, the, the things that Judas was saying because it says that he being the keeper of the money for the disciples of Jesus, he didn't think twice about reaching into that bag every once in a while for himself. Taking a little bit of money here and there out of that bag. He calls him a thief. He was, he was the one that, even though he was watching over the money, he was dipping into the pot for himself. And he didn't care for the poor. He just cared about himself. He had a very unhealthy relationship with money. And we see him then at this time when there comes an opportunity get something. There was a certain price that Judas had that he would sell out. There was a price tag on his following Jesus. See, the price of following Jesus for Judas was just 30 pieces of silver. See, he thought that 30 pieces of silver would be something that would bring him satisfaction. He thought the 30 pieces of silver would be enough to, to carry him through to the next opportunity that would arise. He, he knew that this meant by selling out Jesus that he was going to have to find something else to do with his life. And he was okay with that because 30 pieces of silver was going to get him by. He thought that this would satisfy him. But the fact is that what he thought would satisfy him brought him no real satisfaction. In fact, he realized it immediately, and it tells us in Matthew 27 that Judas, he took those 30 pieces of silver soon after 
Jesus was arrested and, and brought uh, to the cross and, and was there on trial to be crucified, that, that Judas, he went and he took the, that silver and he, he threw it into the temple and, and he, he threw it back to the ones who had given it to him. And he says, take this. This was, uh, this was blood money. I, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have sold Jesus out. And then he went and he hanged himself on a tree. What he thought would satisfy him brought him no real satisfaction. See, the fact is that there's so many times in this life that we find things that look appealing. Find things that, that look like, you know what, this might be worth walking away in order to pursue this opportunity. It might be, might be worth it, you know, and, and, and how much... Uh, what, what is the price tag on, on our relationship with Jesus? What's the price tag for you for following Jesus Christ? Is there one? Is there a price tag? For Judas, it was 30 pieces of silver. For Judas, there was 30 pieces of silver that that was enough to get him to walk away. What is the price tag? What is the price that we might have to walk away from Jesus. See, this is what Jesus described it as. In order to follow him, Jesus says, I want you to go to give everything, to lose your whole life for my sake, and then I'll save it. Well, we've been talking about going all in. The fact that it is all or nothing with Jesus. That following him says, I've already given everything. And so there's nothing left for me to give. There's nothing left for nowhere else for me to go because I'm all in for Jesus. I'm not going to turn this way or that way. I'm not, there is no price tag on my following Jesus fully. I am all in for Jesus Christ. He describes, and if we can go to Luke chapter 9, verse 57, he describes this, uh, what it takes to be a disciple. It says, it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said to him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus, he said to him, foxes, they have holes, birds of the air, they have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. In other words, he's saying, are you sure you're, you're willing to do what it takes to be my disciple? We may go, we may not have anywhere to sleep, but am I enough for you? That's what Jesus was saying. Am I enough for you? Am I enough for you to give up your security? Am I enough for you to give up the things that you think are, are, are necessary and important in order to get through life. Am I enough? We can continue there. Verse 59, it says, that he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no man. Having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. He was describing what it really takes to be a disciple. He was describing what it really takes in order to follow him fully. We must be all in. We must say, I, 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 
There is no price tag that, that could come up that would, that would be enough to get me to stop following you. There is nothing that could come my way that would st- cause me to get off the road, that would cause me to unhitch myself from you, God. I am following you to the very end of the earth. It doesn't matter what the price is. It doesn't matter what I have to pay. Jesus, I will go all the way. God, I'll pay whatever the cost is. If it's losing security, I'll lose all my security. If it's giving away everything and, and even uh, walking away from, from, from some uh, friends and family in order to follow you, then I will do that. Jesus is saying, come on, it's got to be all or nothing. In fact, Jesus begins to talk to Peter after Peter had had denied him, and, and Jesus is welcoming, welcoming him back and, and calling him again to the, the ministry that he has called him to. It's in John chapter 21. And in calling him back into a, a, a life of service or a life of um, devotion to, to Jesus, he begins talking to him, and, and he says, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself, you went wherever you wanted to go, But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Seems a little bit cryptic, but the next verse tells us what Jesus meant by this saying. Because it says that Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. He said, when you're young, it seems like you have all the world in front of you. You can go, you can do whatever you want. But there's going to come a time as you continue in this life with me that you will face death. That people are going to take you and they're going to bind you up and they're going to lead you to your death. Are you willing to do that? He was telling him, this is going to be your end if you follow me. But yet he tells him, follow me. Peter accepts the call and that is exactly what ends up happening in Peter's life as he would end up dying for the cause of Jesus Christ. But Jesus has called us to go all in. He says, everything that you have to give, I want you to give it to me. Well, there is nothing more valuable in this earth than following Jesus Christ. There is nothing more valuable in this earth than following Him. The fact is that a lot of times when we look at our life here on this earth, we may look around and say, is this all worth it? I believe in many aspects, even here on this earth, it is so worth it. It is so worth it to be able to lay my head to rest and have peace. Amen. To be able to to, to love others that are around me the way that Jesus Christ loved them. It is so worth it here on this earth to to, to follow Jesus. But that doesn't mean that there won't be hardships and there won't be trials. And that sometimes when we look around, we say, can I still do this? Is it still worth it to follow Jesus or should I just walk away? Should I just give up? Should I go and, 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 and give in to all the things and the, the, the things around me that look so easy just to go down that path? It would be easy. Sometimes in our minds we say, you know what, I, I've been hurt even in the church. I've been hurt by this. and I've been hurt by that. The fact is, 
Jesus Christ, he gave his all for us, and he loves you more than anybody on this earth could ever love you. And yes, people may fail you, but God will never fail you. God will never fail you. And we may not understand the way that God operates all the time, but God, he'll never fail you. And in fact, there is a reward that's waiting for you in heaven. There's a reward that's waiting. And we see in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto them also that love his appearing. Amen. I'm looking forward to that day when I can put that crown of righteousness on. I was at a birthday party yesterday for my niece, and, and they had these crowns that we could put on, and we could wear these, and, and we could all look like the, the prince or princess and all these things that she had at her birthday party, but that was just a little crown that was made out of paper, but I'm looking forward to another crown. Amen. It's not something that is just worth just a, just a small thing, but it's, it's worth all of what it, what it took to, get, to go through this life and to hold on to Jesus Christ. It t- it's worth every soul that you would reach. It's worth every investment that you would invest in the kingdom of God. It is worth it. I believe that there is a jewel that's placed in that crown for everything that you would do for the cause of Christ, that he would continue, amen, to store up things in heaven that you are going to get your reward someday. And we can get the reward here on earth, but there's coming a day when there will be an eternal reward. An eternal reward, and I'm looking forward to that day. John chapter 14, Jesus tells us, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. There's nothing more valuable. There's nothing more valuable than following Jesus Christ. And as I bring this to a close today, the question is this, what are your beans? For Esau, it was... The temporary fulfillment of something right then, there, right in front of him. It seemed to be worth it in order to give up the blessings of God. For you, it's not going to be beans. It's not going to be some red pottage that is cooking there over the fires. You come in from a, a long hunt and you're tired and you're weary. And, but for some of us, it's the fact is that Satan, he's going to put opportunity in front of us. I believe that the, the greatest hindrance to our advancement and, and our, our walk with God is, is not the attacks from the enemy, but rather it's the blessings that the enemy would give us. The opportunities and the doors that he would open that are going to take you further and further away from God. You know, the enemy, he, he loves to bless God's people. Hey, there's going to be plenty of attacks as well, but he loves to bless God's people in ways that's, that are, are drawing you further and further away from God and closer to the world. He, he will bless career advancements at times that will take you away from church and away from God. 
He will disguise at times family time. And I, I, I just need family time. And, and, and I've heard the excuse so many times of, of you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't make it to church because that's our only day that we, we can be together as a family. And I, I, I fully endorse family time. I fully endorse, well, we need to be together, but let's not do it at the expense of, of the church. Let's go and let's come with family with our family together and be together in church. Let's go. Come on and invest together in the kingdom of God. I, I don't want to do family time in place of time with God. Let's do it together. And then, come on, we can see our families grow. What is your beans? Oh, is it sports? Oh, for so many, they, they can get so involved with sports or they can just uh, just, just love to, to watch sports and they'll miss all the, uh, all the church time that is possible because the big game is on or this is on. And, and by, uh, you soon realize that where, what the level of importance is uh, of you have sports, the beans that are so much more valued than what God has valued. Maybe it's just your pride. And it was some, something that somebody said. They said it to you and it hurt your feelings. Maybe you just made a mistake and, and you don't want to come back to God because your pride is greater than the blessings of God. What are your beans today? I mean, let's not allow anything to get in the way of our relationship with God. Is there anything worth more to you than following Jesus fully? As Jesus draws you near and as he draws you close today, is there anything that would get in the way? Is there anything that would hinder our walk with God? Is there anything that perhaps are disguised as blessings that we are allowing to come and to, be, to have more importance than the things of God? Amen. Can we stand in this place today? I believe that as we are on this, this journey through life, that there are so many things that, that God will bless us with. And, and, and I'm so thankful for the blessings of God. But the blessings of God will never draw you away from God. It will only bring you closer to Him. If you see yourself receiving blessings or receiving things in this life and, and they're, they're drawing you away from Him and they're, they're, they're causing you to spend less and less time with Him, then those are not blessings that are coming from God. I mean, those are the beings of life that are becoming more valued than your relationship with God. There are things in this life that there are temporary satisfaction. For Esau... It was a temporary satisfaction of filling his belly with some soup. And yet, he said, I'll sell off. I'll get rid of all the, the, the promises that are, that are coming my way. I'll get rid of all of that. I'll sell it. And what's the price of your beans today? Is there anything that you need to rearrange in your life? Is there anything that in our schedules that as we begin to look at it, we say, God, I, I need to cut, cut out some time here. And I need to, I need to make sure that uh, what's, what's really important is showing up as important in my calendar, Lord. And I, I need to make sure that even in my checkbook, that, that as I look through my bank account, that, that I'm putting the importance on the things that are, that, that are truly going to last for eternity. Amen. Those are some things, some indicators that don't lie.
about where our, our priorities really are at. Your calendar, your bank account, those things don't lie. We begin to look through them, we can see where, what are my priorities in life? What do I truly value? What do I invest my time in? What do I invest my talent? What do I invest my treasure in? Amen. Let, let us invest it in the kingdom of God. God is calling us today. He has so many blessings in store for the church. He has so many blessings in store for you. If Esau just would have held on to that birthright, he could have gone on to be uh, the, the father of many nations, and the father of the, the ones who would come, and, and, and they would be the children of Israel, the children of Esau, whatever the case is. And, and he could have been the one who had the inheritance that was passed down from generation to generation. But he allowed the temporary satisfaction. He allowed that to come and to have more importance than the things of God. Amen. I'm just calling us today to reprioritize some things in our life. We could just, amen, just take, some, take a moment here today and assess our lives, assess where we are at. Amen. And as God is drawing you today, would, would we, uh, would we be, be bold enough to, to make some changes, amen, as we begin to see some things that are out of balance? Lord, help me. God, help me prioritize the things that you would hold dear. God, if you have a calling upon my life, Lord, let me not waste that. Let me not just set that aside as being unimportant. But Lord, let me be drawn near to you. God, let me value, God, the calling that is upon my life. Let me invest in it. God, let me pour my time and my resources into it. Amen.